Thank you. Appreciate it. Hallelujah, everybody. Did I get the right button? Am I on? Yes, sir. Man, all those years of college, you think I could handle one button. Amen. I used to think every cell phone should come attached with a 12-year-old to tell you how to use it. Amen. Did you bring a Bible? Praise God. Let's get into the scriptures this morning. Thank everybody for coming today. Thank you for being faithful. Heard about all the tables out front. That's pretty cool. Amen. All the different things going on. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 7. And if you're really coordinated, you can do two things at once. Go to Exodus chapter 2. I always tell everybody I'm kind of a double-barrel shotgun guy. I like bullets in every chamber. Hallelujah. No blanks. Praise God. Amen. It's good to see all the little Hawaiian things on people. Amen. Now, if you eat all their food, you just fall asleep during my message, I'll know. Amen. A little filled to overflowing. Praise God. Let's get into the scriptures today. I'm going to pull out four um, verses from, from, these mes- from these chapters, and then we'll kind of comment after we get going. Uh, let's start at Acts 7, verse 20. <clears throat> We're talking about the ministry of help, servanthood, and uh, how the Bible describes it to us and how it's supposed to work. It says, But at this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. Moses, verse 22 is one of our kind of pillar verses. Moses was learned in all the ways, in all of wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in word and in deed. Now, after 40 years, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him, who oppressed him, and he struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren, this is our second verse that I want to really kind of bring out, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them from his hand, but they did not understand. You know, sometimes your call, what you feel called to do, can seem so obvious to you, and yet nobody seems to get what God has put inside of you. That's where Moses is living. He thinks this is as plain as the nose on your face, as we say it, but he he can't get them to see it. I know you've never been there before. It's just me, so just (laughs) play the game. Okay, yeah, all right. Have an altar call at the end for all you liars to get drug up here. Praise God. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo. I got you. Leave the Michigan guy hanging. It's all right. It's good. All you Texans hold together. It's okay. I'm coming for you. It's fighting words, as they say. Hallelujah. It says, and the, and the next day he appeared to them, 26, as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them. Boy, trying to get two church people. Hallelujah. We'll keep going. You got to have mercy on Moses. What a what a rough call! And two, they were fighting. He tried to reconcile them, saying, "Men, you are brethren." Wonder if this was the Baptist church. Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? (laughs) Am I on your toes now? Is that bad? Sorry. Just cut the mic, right? Cut the mic. It's all good. 
As, and uh, he, you know, he said to him who wronged his neighbors and pushed him away, saying, Are you a ruler or a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Now that, that freaked Moses out because he didn't think anybody knew he killed an Egyptian yesterday. One thing Moses knows is how mean Pharaoh is because he grew up in Pharaoh's house. And so he knows when word of this gets out, Pharaoh isn't going to have any mercy on me. I'm out of here. And he runs for his life. And if you study it out, he goes to Midian, which is where the where we'll pick it up in Exodus chapter 2. You can turn there. But it's just over the border from, from Egypt. Exodus chapter 2, let's pick it up here in verse 16. It says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, no comment, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs of water to their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them, and he watered their flock. Skip down to chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, there was a bush burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. I want to grab these four verses. Number one, Moses was learning the ways of Egypt. All the wisdom they had. When your father, per se, your grandfather is Pharaoh, the king, you don't just go to a school. You go to the school. That More than likely, the teachers came to him. Right? They, when you're that, they come see you. Why? Because they want Pharaoh on their side. That's how he is raised. Later on, it says he's trying to get, quote, what we would call his ministry. He's trying to go do what the Lord's instructed him, but he can't make this work. And so doing what he did, he escapes and he heads out to Midian. And lo and behold, out there, he finds a preacher, Jethro, the priest in Midian. Now, you can't get any more redneck than if your pastor's name is Jethro. So... Could have been East Texas. I don't know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Kentucky. Amen. But that's, that's where he goes. After that, then we have in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And God visited Moses as he took care of Jethro's sheep. It's always interesting to me that he starts off with all this teaching and all this education and all of the greatness of uh, of Egypt, that's, that's probably algebra, that's probably some form of calculus, astronomy, some co- form of physics, whatever that is, I heard about it. But I mean, these, these people were, they're, they're high-tech in their day, right? They're high-tech in their day. He, he studied these kinds of things. And all of that, he can't get his ministry to work. So he runs for his life, he goes out there and he, he runs into Jethro's daughter's and they're doing what I would consider to be man's work. And, and in that, he seems to take that over. Thank God for humble men. And he takes that over and he begins to serve, say serve. serve. And he works with his hands out there for Pastor Jethro. In Egypt, with all that education, he can't find God. But out there working with Jethro in the backside of the desert, taking care of the sheep, He finds the power of the Holy Spirit and God begins to visit him and minister to him. I want to talk to you today about the ministry of helps. I want to talk to you about servanthood because the Bible, the old Pentecostals would say about the scriptures that 
it's an upside down kingdom. That the way up in the kingdom is down. If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. But if you'll humble yourself, the Bible says that God will exalt you. We don't talk about it a great deal anymore, but there was a part of Moses' ministry he could not find in downtown Egypt. Because you can't be a man of God if you're not under a man of God. It, it takes a strong leader to make a strong leader. It takes a man of God to make a man or woman of God. You've got to find, if you want to walk with God, you have to find somebody who knows him. Amen. That's just all there is to it. There is no substitute for that. Uh, An old, an old preacher um, told my pastor one time, they said, he said to him, he said, the difference between our generation, the older preachers and the newer generation, he says, he says, our people knew God, your people know about God. Dr. Charles Capps, remember Charles Capps said this, he said, we have a lot of people saying the doings of Jesus, but not a lot of people doing the sayings of Jesus. Same. In other words, we're talking about him, but we're not doing what, and what happened with Moses is he knew what he was called. He'd understood what God told him to do, but he can't make this work until he finds his pastor. When he finds his pastor out there doing, it's a funny looking Bible school, isn't it? It's a funny place to find the power of God. It's different than a lot of people do. I tell people all the time, get your Bible school, get your education, go. Dr. Seville's got a wonderful Bible school, go and learn. But you're going to find the pulse of God serving and working and and getting busy in the things of God. Amen. I I love everybody, but I, I, you know, I, I told my kids, I said, I love you. Now move your feet. Hallelujah. This isn't about sit around and you're so precious. Amen. You move your precious. Hallelujah. <laughs> we built a, we built our house and uh, I had a contractor put up the frame and whatnot. And then we, we shingled it. We plumbed it. We, we painted it. We did all the inside work. And my son, I, I was shingling up on the roof and I kept waiting for him to show up. But Saturday morning, you know, I'm a six o'clock kind of person. And I kept waiting for my son to show up and come give me a hand. It was just up the road from where we lived. And he didn't come. He's about 12, 13 and uh, so, so I went down and I walked in his bedroom. I said, hey, you know what? Woke him up. I said, I'm building me a mama house. If you want a room, you should come put it together. <laughs> Precious. <laughs> because part of being, if you want to be my son, I expect some motion. Amen. We, we, we got go. We got things to do here. We're not going to sit around and hold your hand and tell you how wonderful you are. Amen. Have you had a mirror? You're not that wonderful. Get moving. And, and, and I always felt like part of my calling in life, you can't put a bubble around your kids. You have to call, you have to put enough man in them that when they meet the world, they can overcome the world. Can you say amen? I, I love everybody. I love the sisters. I think they're wonderful, but I didn't raise my son to act like his sister. I raised my, I told him how to, how to shake a man's hand. Don't give me that dead fish thing back either. Amen. I want to know there's, I don't care if you're a five-year-old man. I want a five-year-old man on the other end of that. Hallelujah. Don't make me wonder where that hand's been. Praise God. Can you say amen? I say, so you're not very politically correct. I could care less about politically correct. Do you, do you walk with God or do you not? Do we know the book or do we not? Amen. I think a lady walks in the room, we open the door, they, we open the door, we stand, we respect, amen. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Burglar comes in the house. I tell my wife, get behind me. This one's mine. Amen. That's, that's what I'm for. That's what I do. Hallelujah. So, well, would you die for your wife? I'd kill for my wife. Leave her alone. She's mine. Amen. We'll all live happy and you'll live longer if you live her alone. Can I get an amen from anybody? Am I at least in Texas? Is that all right? Can we do that down here? Hallelujah. So Moses comes along and he can't get this thing to work. And lo and behold, when he begins to go to work, say work, it won't hurt you. Say work. W-O-R-K. It's a four letter word, but it is not a swear word. Amen. And he finds God out serving and working, out doing the dues of life and ministry. Let's keep with the verses. Amen. Go with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 3. Talking about sowing and working or, or serving. Hallelujah. Don't worry, my son's not traumatized. He's all right. Shakes a little when I walk in the room. But... Amen. We believe in getting him out of the home in a few days. So, hallelujah. Acts 3 1, are you there yet? Is it okay to have fun in the house of God? Is that all right? Are we okay? Hallelujah. I like to have fun in God's house. 3 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, who they laid daily. Say daily. daily. You know, it's tough when you're in battle and you feel defeated, it's worse when it's all your life. And it's daily reminding you. You're not getting ahead. You're not winning. That's where this guy is at. And yet he had hope. Sorry. And he lay daily at the, at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And ask alms of those who entered the temple. Uh, I said it before. I'll say it again. You have to remember there is no government assistance for this guy. There's, there's no hope. There's no Medicaid. There's no medical, nothing. The Romans sure don't care if he dies. He's just in their way. Thank God for kind people coming into the house of God who are willing, amen, to at least bless the man and do something kind for him. Who's seen Peter about to, and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms, and fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, five, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I love the fact that he didn't go home once he got his miracle. He took his miracle, he went in and he was grateful to God first and offered a sacrifice of praise and then he went home and he went on from there. Can you say amen? But I notice here, if you would if go back to verse one, it says, they went to the temple at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. So 
Peter and John are on their way into the temple. They pass this guy and it's prayer time. So it's fair to say they're going to do what? They're going to pray. Have they prayed yet? They haven't prayed yet. But they came to the temple with enough anointing and enough power to heal the man before they ever got into prayer. So they showed up to bless. They came with the power of God before they ever got into the temple. Something about walking with Jesus Christ, these men learn. We don't have to wait till we get there. We can take the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go. And he will work with us the same way he did Jesus Christ. I want to praise God today for the people who come to church to bless. The people who come to church today, they want to help. They want to do something to make the church go. They didn't just come to receive, but they came to give. Can you say amen? amen. That there's, that there's a, a people of God. And this is something that God teaches. That the Holy Spirit of Jesus taught his disciples. You take the power of the Spirit with you everywhere you go. It isn't just for special times. God will heal and God will bless and God will begin to do great things if we'll begin to believe him and get things in motion. Can you say amen? Amen. And, you know, it was a funny Bible school for Peter, James, and John. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But guess how Bible school started to be a fisher of men? Well, aren't I going to preach today? Nope. Peter probably said, well, I got a sermon. You especially are not preaching. Bro. You're going to be a while. Hallelujah. I imagine when Jethro found Moses, he sat him down. He said, young man, tell me what are you doing out here? Backside of the desert. You're, you're from downtown Egypt. I mean, you're from city center. A lot, a lot of people down there. What are you doing way out here? Well, I'm trying to get my ministry going. Pastor Jethro, you're trying to get your ministry going. How, what are you doing out here trying to get your ministry going? Well, I killed a man. You killed a man to start your church. Generally, that's not how we do it. Um, you must have turned to God and said, uh, this is going to take a while, Lord. We're going to need 40 years minimum on this guy. <laughs> Probably that's what he learned in Egypt. And it took a while to unlearn what the world put in him and to fill it again with how the spirit of the Lord works with people. Here's, here's Peter, James, and John. When Jesus found them, they were no prize, right? I say it this way. Jesus really didn't meet Peter. He met Simon. He made Peter. Jesus really didn't meet Paul the apostle. He met Saul, a mixed up murdering religious nut who didn't know if he was pitching or catching. And he put him in that church in Antioch and he surrounded him with those believers, church just like this one. And serving there and working, Saul died and Paul was raised up in the middle of the same man. The Ray Bench you see today isn't the Ray Bench my pastor met. I came in that day. God called me. I, I knew I was called to the ministry. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to buy shoelaces. We're, we're, pastor, we're living in a little 14 by 70 
key mobile home it was called. I don't like told me yesterday, I don't know why they said it was 70. It's only 65 feet of living space, and then there's five foot of trailer hitch out front. And you only sat out there if your wife got mad at you. You go outside and sit on the front five feet, try to figure out what you're going to do to get back in the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Had little two by two walls and little wind down windows. And when the wind would blow, the cold Michigan winds, we'd put that plastic on it, but it would push it in. You had to walk in the center of the trailer because the outsides was all that plastic stuff. I, I remember being in church and, you know, you have cell phones and all. We didn't have any of that right back in the day. I had to laugh when you were talking about what minimum wage was, right? Because hallelujah. I, look, I'm so old. We just, you know, we just carved on the cave walls back in my day. Hallelujah. I got it. Our phone, you know, back in the day, your phone had two options, black and very black. That was it. And, you know, little cord, never mind. Hallelujah. But I was, I was at church. Janine was home. I had two kids, my son, my, my daughter, and um, they were both sick. I believe God, I'm called to the ministry. I can't get anything to gel or work together. And uh, so I, I told Janine, I said, look, you stay home with the kids I'm going to church. I got to get a hold of God and I got to figure out what in the world is going on around here. Why is everything breaking? I don't mean some things, brother. I mean, everything's breaking. Have you ever been there? So I go to church and, and church is dismissed. I don't get a word from the Lord. I don't have any big revelations. I just, church is going out. And as I walk out, we used to have a phone at the exit lobby of the sanctuary. And there was a guy back there and he was an usher. And I'm like six, four. He was, you know, a little bit taller than me, almost as much as Drew over here, hallelujah. And when he saw me, he said, hey, Ray, your wife called. Of course, we're taller, so we're talking over the top of everybody. And he said, Ray, your wife called. She said, your trailer's on fire. I said, well, good. I hate that trailer. (laughs) But I do have a wife and two kids. So I I ran outside and I got got in my car, a little Pontiac Sunbird, and back then, the old points and condensers, guys, you know what I'm talking about? I had to take a 7 wrench, loosen it up, turn it just right, and reach through and start the car at the same time. And then turn it back, tighten it up, which I didn't mind. I got long arms. My wife wasn't into this at all. And, and get that thing going. I dropped the hood. I got in the car. And our, our, where our church was is called Stark Road. It's a two-lane country road. It's all farms and cornfields out there. We're the, we're the only thing going. Okay, nobody is competing for floor space out there. And so normally, I'm the only guy to the north of our church, right? I'm up the road about a half mile, mile, and I'm the only guy that goes that way. Well, when I got in my car, I got on the road and I nailed the exhaust, which you know, it's a four cylinder. So what do you got, right? (laughs) Trying to get up the road. It's like four squirrels and two cats under there trying to run on the track. It was awful. And we're, we're going, I'm going up the road and I look in my rear view mirror and where everybody used to go the other way, of course, all the people underneath us heard us talking to the benches, trailers on fire. So they followed me up the road to see what was going on. And I, I pull into the driveway and, you know, which was just dust, mud, depending on the season. And I pull in and my wife is on the front porch. And I don't see any smoke. I'm looking for dark flames or something burning, whatever's going on. And she's got one kid, one's throwing up. The other's got diarrhea. One's leaking out of one end. One's leaking out of the other. She's sitting out there crying. And there I am. 
And I cut out of the car and go, Janine, my goodness, what's going on? And then I smelt it. This skunk had gotten underneath the trailer. And when the furnace kicked on, which I'm surprised the furnace ever turned off, it kicked on, it would bang. And it scared the skunk. And so the skunk turned and he sprayed the intake of the furnace. And it sucked it in and it burnt it. And then it blew it throughout the whole trailer. That's what she smelled. And I'm standing on the front porch with my wife and two kids in my skunky burning trailer. And coming in the driveway is the entirety of Living Word Church. I'm glad you think it's funny. It's funny now. Oh, you're just having a good time, huh? Hallelujah. Amen. Can you relate? You know what I'm talking about? That's the Ray Bench Mark Barclay met. You know, pastor came down, him and Mrs. Barclay. That's what I'm talking about, kindness. They looked around for a while. The next day, a couple of cans of paint show up. Next day, a couple people from the church show up and start painting our trailer to get rid of the smell. Bedding shows up for my children. New wallpaper shows up for their room. And the church came in and just out of love began to help a guy like Moses. All I know is God visited me, but I can't get any of this to work yet. What in the world is going on? But out there working in the ministry of helps, running errands for pastor doing the dues of life and ministry and and doing the best I knew to obey God, I began to find the pulse of the almighty God. I want to thank God today for the Peters and the Johns that they didn't have to be born on the right side of the tracks to get God to walk with them. Peter didn't have connections down at the temple. John didn't know somebody who knew somebody who had influence but between the two of them, they, they found this Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they so fell in love with his ministry that they did whatever it took in order to make ministry go. And they rode and they served and they, they gave and they, they, found, they, they found God and began to bless. And began to bless. It's interesting to me. We hit this a little bit yesterday in the seminar, but it's interesting to me how the Pharisees sought to stop the resurrection, the news from getting out, right? Remember, they paid the soldiers. We don't want this out. Do you know what the new, the best-selling book of all times is right now? Exactly right. Some five billion copies. You know why? Because 11 common men got touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, helping their pastor row through the night and beginning to work in the helps ministry. And they got so impacted when they said, stop preaching in that name. Never, never going to happen. We will preach. We will pray. We will prophesy. We will tell people of this resurrection. We're going to use his name every time we get an opportunity. You will never shut us up. We'll kill you. Then do your best. But before you do, bless God, we will tell the world of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those, those 11 men and a handful of people in an upper room are responsible for the salvation of every man, woman, and child in this body. And they were nothing when Jesus met them. But they began to serve and they began to give and they began to work along. And the power of God showed up. And off they went. How they, Brother Ray, how they heal how they heal that man, just like they saw their leader do. 
They got busy. They got sewing. They got serving. They got doing what they knew how to do, even if they weren't very good at it at first. I wonder, when Peter went home the night after he walked on water, right? I wonder what it was like, you know, those few minutes before you talk to your wife, before you drop off to sleep every night, and you're having a conversation. I know some people think that Peter was the first pope. He was celibate. It's pretty hard to prove scripturally because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. There's only one way to get one. I don't care how many revelations and visions you've had. You don't go down to Home Depot and hire them. Hallelujah. There's only one way. Nobody's that crazy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus heals his mother-in-law. Peter comes home that night and laying there talking to his wife. And she says, anything special happened today at the meeting? Uh Uh-huh. Tell me, Peter, what happened? Well, we were rowing, right? And there's this body starts coming across the top of the sea. I don't know what, what's going on. One of the guys says, hey, that's Jesus. I said, I can't be. That is, that's Jesus coming, walking at us. So, you know, me, my big mouth, I just yelled out, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. He said, okay, come. (laughs) Well, I said, I wasn't going to look stupid in front of the other guys, so I got out. He said, you know, hon, I didn't hold it for long, but I got a taste of the power of God. I got, it's like salt. It's like those salty chips. You eat one, it's like, I bet the next one's better. You got a taste of the power of God and what it's like to know a life without limitations. Nobody in his family had ever done this. You can't study this in a Bible school. I don't know about you, but there isn't a water walking 101 (laughs) Bible class to go to. You know, I know sometimes preachers talk about Peter and how he sunk and he didn't make it very far. I always say, how far did you make it? (laughs) So far, I haven't cleared the bathtub. How are you doing? (laughs) I think he did pretty good. Even if he didn't hold it for forever. I bet Jesus knew he wouldn't make it far. But he's so hungry. I'm going to honor that hunger. And at least he'll know this is possible. He got a taste. Say a taste. taste. See, your, your leadership will take you where you can't go on your own. They'll advance you places in God that you're not, you're not going to see on your own. They'll stretch you to believe things. They'll take you to, to do things you've never seen before. Uh, you know, you get talking about building. We were, we were doing our first building project in Midland. And um, I was in that trailer. And the way they were setting it up, they said, Now, what we want you to do is as you... As you go buy something, if you find out it's on sale, whatever money you were going to spend that you didn't end up spending, you take that money and you sow it towards the building program. And we'll believe God that you can sow $5,000 before the end of the year. Well, I'm living in a trailer. I paid $9,800 for it. Well, I didn't pay. I borrowed $9,800 for it. I don't have anything. I'm just called to the ministry. And, and I'm in the middle of that, and I, I took that little pledge card that they gave you, and you're supposed to fill your name and stuff out, put it in the offering container when it went by, and then they give you a little record so you could keep a log of how you were progressing as the year went on, hallelujah. 
And uh, I, I took that thing and I put it in my Bible and I folded it up and I never put anything. I just took it back home again. So I'm, I'm in the car. I'm actually headed to the airport to pick up Dr. Barclay from the airport. Everything I know is through the help. This is where how I learned how to do everything. So I'm, <laughs> I'm driving his car headed for the airport and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I don't know if he lives in the, his car or what he does, but he started sp- speaking to me in there. And he said, uh, Ray, I want you to give $5,000 to the building program. And my trailer's $9,800. The payments are two forty eight and some change. I'm having a hard time making it. He said, I want you to give $5,000 to the building program. I said, God, if I had it, you could have it. I don't have it. And if I vow a vow and I don't keep it, that's worse. If I fill out that card and I send it in and I don't keep my word, pastor's counting on it, it's not coming. But not because I wouldn't give it if I had it, but because I don't have it to give you. So he says it again. Ray, I want you to give. So in case he didn't hear me, I said it all again. Now look. (laughs) Then he said these words to me. He said, Raymond. Well, that reminded me of my dad. Raymond. I want you to pledge. I said, okay, 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 okay. When I get home, I will pledge. I'll tell Janine, um, we're pledging $5,000 to the building program. And he said these words, a piece. <laughs> said, well, um, you're everywhere. You tell Janine. <laughs> How do you, I don't mean any disrespect. How do you tell the girl of your dreams? I I don't like Janine. I love Janine. That's my girl. We've been married since 1986. The day will never come. That's not my girl. I love that girl. She's my best friend forever. That's my, that's mine. God gave her to me. Amen. That's how I feel. Now, how do I tell her? We got two kids, one boy, one girl sleeping in the same bedroom. They're young. I got just a few years. So they figure out something's different. I'm waiting for society to figure out something's different. I used to wonder why God put it in the Bible, male and female, did he make them male? And then he reversed it. I'm thinking, why would you write that? You came in the scriptures. Whoa, is God ahead of me? Let me slow this down so you can't misunderstand what I'm saying. So I, I said, all right, I get home. So we did. We started pledging. I think that year we made less than $10,000. Humbly speaking, we qualified for WIC. I don't brag about it, but it happened. In the middle of all of that, I'd go to buy something. I'd find out it was on sale, some toothpaste. They have a two-for-one. I'd take the $2, whatever it was at the time, put it in the building program. And I was shocked. At the end of the year, I had put $5,000 into the building program. Janine came in just a little bit after me, and she she five. And the benches had put $10,000 into the building program. I never saw anything like it. You know what I've learned over time? Your brain will lie to you. Your brain will lie to you. I have a a CD out there. I mentioned the table, but called the paintbrush of God. And I talk about how God beats some of the lies that were in my head. But what happened to me is my... Boy, I'm shifting gears from the first session, but my dad was a good man, hardworking, you know what I mean? Always took care of my mom, no problem. But he was born in 1921, and a terrible thing happened in America in 1929. You know what it was? The Great Depression. 
My dad, though, he became an airplane mechanic, had a good job. My mom was a nurse. They didn't make great money, but we did okay. But the problem was it got in his heart. And to his dying day, my father thought like, bought like, and acted like it was still the Great Depression. We saved everything. Brother, you didn't throw nothing away, ever. He wouldn't buy a notebook to put by the phone to take notes. You had to use the old junk envelopes that came in the junk mail. and we put the, So you could never throw them away because you didn't know what was written on any of the envelopes. So we just took the pile of stuff and kept moving it around the house so it wasn't in the way all the time. Then I come into the church and pastor's asking for that kind of money for the building program. The problem, <laughs> uh, all right. The verse in Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Meaning how you see you in here comes out and you'll create it out here. When I, when I was a kid, my, <clears throat> actually a few years ago, I'm outside, I've got a shed and I look at my workbench, right, Pastor? I got a workbench, vice, all, all the tools, stuff set up. And I step back and I look and it is a blueprint carbon copy of my father's workbench. It's when the Lord began to deal with me on this. I have my vice on my right-hand side. You know where my dad's vice was? I didn't even mean to. I'm recreating out here the same picture I see in here. I don't even know I'm doing it. I, I, have, a, I have a drawer full of screwdrivers with no tips and others with tips but no handles. And I can't throw them away because I'm going to need them one day. Now, I know I'm the only person who's ever dealt with this in their life. I got a drill with an electric cord that shocks you when you use it, but I can't, I can't throw it away because I'm going to need it one day, but I don't know when that is because I've never used a dumb thing because it shocked me. I have Maxwell House coffee cans of nuts and bolts and they're multiplying when I'm not looking. They're going out and getting little Gerber baby jars of washers and they're all over my... I can't find anything. I have a, a set of manuals to, I don't know what, I don't know where they are. I can't find them. They're covering up the only tools that do work and I can't throw them away. You know why? Because I'll need them one day. It's a very valuable German shepherd walking across the street, pregnant with a litter of pups. These things sell for And as it was crossing the street, it was hit by a car. They did an ultrasound and the pups were all fine on the inside, but the mother, her legs were maimed and she would never walk again. She walked like this on her front elbows. As the pups came and they were all delivered and everybody came out, their eyes over time opened up and all the pups began to walk just like their mother. According to the pattern, as a man thinks in his heart, So I see Christian after Christian get born again, love God, try to walk with God and try to prosper and give into the house of God. The problem is, so the pastor comes along with the paintbrush of God, which is the word, and he tries to paint a new picture. Pastor, we're going under. You don't understand. Everything's bad. You, you're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. And he's taken a picture. That mother with the the pups, they had to separate the pups from the mother in order to get those pups to stand up and walk the way a thoroughbred, purebred German shepherd ought to walk. Because they had to have a different pattern. See, 
Paul, Paul told his disciples in Philippians 3.17, he says, follow us as you have us for a pattern. Part of leadership is to lead by example as a pattern for the people following you. What was happening to me in my giving was that pastor was trying to move on and build the church, and I'm still trying to give who me I can't. Uh, Gideon, what's, what happened with God and Gideon? Gideon? Gideon's here and God's over here and God says, Hail thou mighty man of valor. What's Gideon say? No, not me. I'm the poorest of the poor and we're the, we're the least of all of our brethren. I, I mean, he can't get any lower than me. What's he doing? He's arguing over how he sees himself. Which one am I? Which one am I? Am I who man says I am or am I who God says I am? And so when you're giving, if what, what was happening to me, <clears throat> in fact, our, our building program progressed and we kept building and then it plateaued out, it flattened. The Lord went to, or pastor went to the Lord in prayer, sorry. And, and the Lord said, he said, son, he said, I am setting out blessings for those people. The problem is, is it's like the devil is going in front of them with this camouflage blanket and draping it over them and they can't see it. They're walking right past their miracle. So I went to the Lord in prayer. I said, what's happening to me? He said, that old picture. The devil's using it against you. Your brain's lying to you, Ray. You can do it. But it it was just like that. It would just camouflage over all my answers. You can do it, but I can't. I I remember talking to a man one time and he said, um, he was making good money. And I said, you know, how is it that you live like that? You just, boy, you're making knockdown money. He said, I just can't see myself working for bad money. Wait a minute. It dawns on me, we could go through the same help wanted ads. He would only look at jobs that pay good. I would look at only jobs that paid bad. I don't need a devil anymore. I'm doing it to myself. Because as a man thinks in his, so is he. You'll recreate out here what you see you in here. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. You got to protect. See, I can put the word of God in your heart, but it's your heart. You have control. I don't. And it matters how you see you. Boy, I'm way off what I did the first service, but it matters how you see you because if you're not careful, man and your pressures of life will paint in you a false picture of who you are. And that's what happens to people. You find a good pastor, but he stretches you beyond what you're used to and your brain will lie. And you got to get enough word in your heart to where it creates a new picture of who you are now in Christ Jesus. And we're not doing this anymore because bless God, I see myself as the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm the borrower. I'm not the lender. I might have a few debts to pay off, but I'm going to get them paid off and God's going to bless me. Can you say amen? Amen. Raise your hand with me, everybody, real quick. I bless you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. To see yourself free from what man has spoken. I bless you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to break free from the pack, to break out of the yoke. 
that you'll not crawl on your knees as they say it anymore. You'll stand now and begin to run. Take the best of the land. If you got to do, you know, there's jobs and careers. If you got to work a job for a while till you're in your career, it's okay. But we can't, we can't sow to the house of God if we can't have finances coming in our lives. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name now for freedom to come. Now put your hands down, everybody. We're gonna, I'm going to do this. If that's you, that last little bit that I hit, that's you. You're dealing with this yoke that's on the inside, not seeing yourself. Stand to, to your feet right now. I want to pray for you. Is that anybody? Life, people have beat you down. That You need a different picture on the inside of you for who you are. You need a different picture on the inside of you for who you are. I want to pray for you. Father, by the laying on of hands, I can't paint the picture. That's through the word. But we can break the yoke. I curse wrong words spoken in their ears. I curse bondage set upon them. Generational or otherwise, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Let those shackles crash now to the ground. Let them stand now and run free. And see themselves for who they are in Christ Jesus. No more tethers from the world. No more bands holding them back. I curse that in Jesus' name. And we're going to walk now with the Almighty. And see ourselves for the champions we are called to be. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. One last verse. I'll wrap up with this. I'm sorry, a little bit extra here. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 22, 29. Still talking about service. I consider giving part of the helps ministry. The, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, like I say, my pastor was trying to move on, build a nice church, an airplane. You're going to Proverbs 22, 29. And, and the problem was, is that I, if I held to my old way of thinking, it was driving a wedge between me and my leadership. I'm frustrated because he's wanting to build bigger and more offerings and whatever. It's not his fault. He's obeying God, but I'm trying to do it. And I had to drop that in order to walk with God. Can you say amen? amen. Last verse, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown Men, I don't know what's in your hand today, but whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart. And as you do, then good things happen. Amen. As you do, good things happen. I'll sow one last verse. You don't have to go there today. I'll just read it to you. And this is out of Proverbs 27, 20. This is a command that uh, Moses was given to give to the people. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. Remember those old oil lamps that the wick would dangle down into the oil and uh, it would pull that oil up and burn? The command from God was you tell the people to bring oil with them when they come to the house of God. It's a perfect type and shadow of what we're talking about. Peter Peter and John, when they came to the temple, they brought the anointing with them in order for God to use it. 21, in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord, 
It shall be a statute forever, say forever, to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Forever the people are commanded to bring the oil with them. Not a physical oil in the New Testament, the anointing oil. We're supposed to show up at the temple like Peter and John, that we might heal someone when we get here. That we might bless someone when we get here. That we can serve and help somebody when we get here. Can you say amen? God bless you today, everybody. Thank you for your time. I call you blessed. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you.